Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm John Tucker, along with Mike McKee and Tom Key. The opening bell report this morning is being brought to you by SEI. In the future, the asset management business will be profoundly different. Find out how. SEI's global operating platform can help you navigate the new operational frontier at SEIC.com slash Imagine. Well, after that disappointing jobs report, we have uh, stocks opening lower right now. Uh, the futures were lower going into uh, the opening session, but uh, they regained some of their losses. Right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average are down 64 points. The S&P 500 down 7. The Nasdaq Composite Index 22 points lower. Among the most actively uh, traded stocks this morning, uh, shares of General Electric down 1.4%. A Southern Company, that's down 2.7%. And Square is down 17.5%. And we check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Tom and Mike. Uh, John Tucker, thanks so much. Uh, Mike, a little bit of a factoid here this morning. 10.3 is the number of basis points that the 10-year yield has moved. <coughs> the yield went lower in shock, 3.9%, 3.9 basis points, turned around and reversed 6.4. 10.3 basis point swing. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'll back and look. Well, let's uh, check with somebody who may have. Scott Mathers, Chief Investment <coughs> Officer for Core Strategies at Pacific Investment Management Company, PIMCO, out in uh, Newport Beach, California. Scott, uh, interesting moves in the market today, given that uh, the knee-jerk reaction to only 160,000 jobs was uh, the sky is falling, the Fed is off the table, QE is on its way. And now the market seems to be saying, wait a minute, uh, we look a little bit closer and there's some inflation in there. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, you, you always see some overreaction to the em- employment report, and uh, I think you saw some signs of that today. You know, it really wasn't that big of a miss. Uh, putting it in perspective, the three-month moving average of employment gains is 200,000. That's still well above the, you know, something less than 100,000 needed to keep uh, the unemployment rate stable. So uh, not that disappointing, sort of on trend, and uh, probably enough to – to still keep the Fed on track for one or two hikes this year. So I think that's, you know, what the market's sort of, you know, waking up to. It still hasn't priced in the probability of one or two hikes this year, but uh, but we think it'll move in that direction. Uh, June, do you think, uh, for the for the next move? Well, June's a possibility. Uh, you know, the market's currently uh, priced, you know, priced out the possibility of June. It's, you know, we think it's not likely, but it's certainly not zero either. So, you know, June, July is still very much in play with these types of employment numbers. So, yeah, it'll depend yeah. on the, the, you know, on the high-frequency data, and there'll be a lot between now and then. So, you know, we think it's, it's yeah. wrong to price it out completely. Jeremy Schwartz, working in the coal mine with uh, James Sweeney over at Credit Suisse, doesn't mince any words about this as he looks forward to the retail uh, report next week. Uh, he just calls it robust income growth. I mean, that's the, the phrase, and, you know, we've identified that, I think, uh, this morning. Does that robust income growth translate into a stable or better stock market? Is there a linkage there? Well, the linkage is probably pretty loose there. Um, you know, the the income growth sort of comes at the expense of corporate profit growth. So that's yeah. in that phase of the cycle. So, 
you know, instead of it being a tailwind for corporate profits, it's going to be a headwind going forward. So, you know, it's it's never a very tight correlation, but I think you have to anticipate that as wage, as we reach full employment, as wages go up, it's going to come at the expense of, of the corporate profit share. Now, that's perfectly, that's exactly what the Fed expects to see, wants to see. Uh, so, you know, when they look at these types of numbers, they're going to be uh, somewhat, you know, satisfied with that. They, they, they expect, yeah. we should all expect that we see wages going up at the expense of, of job increases. Right. So, you know, by the end of the year, we should be looking at 100,000 types of numbers rather than 200. And we should be looking at wage growth that's in, you know, in the high twos or 3% area, you know, rather than uh, less than two and a half. How do you respond? And, and I, I look at this, Scott, almost as engineering and systems analysis where you always want to have the unexpected cover. Is this a Fed that will stop with the theory and just raise rates so they have wiggle room if they have to lower them later? They have greater degrees of freedom and ability to manipulate? Well, I think that was the Fed that uh, that we were dealing with maybe a year ago, uh, but it doesn't seem to be the Fed we're dealing with now. Uh, so the reaction function has clearly shifted over the course of the last year. So, you know, they're much more reluctant. I mean, if you just if you just, you know, observe the data today, you know, the Fed should be moving on a fairly uh, deliberate path up to neutral. Um, but uh, that's clearly not what they're doing. So so their reaction function has shifted. They're very sensitive to to asset price developments and and growth developments outside the U.S. So you know whether whether we like it or not, whether you think it's right or not, uh, that appears to be you know how they're going to react from here going forward. So how do you trade that if that is your view of their reaction function? Well, it means that uh, you need to pay a lot more attention to the data outside the U.S. Uh, you need to pay a lot more attention to the dollar and uh, how it does relative to other currencies because that's the primary way that. Uh, international developments affect the U.S. economy. So we think that's you need to be overly sensitive to those developments and somewhat, you know, downplay uh, the typical domestic developments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael McKee, Stephen Stanley over at Amherst Pierpont, who's just been brilliant on America's economic growth. I do not think the Fed's decision calculus for June changes much based on today's data. Well, it seems like um, I mean, they don't have to make a decision. <laughs> Uh, for another month and a half. So, exactly. So why not wait? Yeah. Uh, Scott, let me ask you this. Uh, 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 on the sort of semi-political sphere, uh, you had Donald Trump yesterday suggesting that uh, if interest rates rise in the United States, Treasury could just call you up and say, um, we're going to negotiate a deal on, uh, on, on the Treasuries you hold. We won't pay you uh, the full face amount. You, you could, you'll, you'll be happy to take a discount. W- would you take that phone call? Uh, no, I don't think anybody's going to be taking that phone call. So, uh, I, you know, that uh, I, I didn't catch those comments, uh, didn't didn't understand the context of them. But uh, certainly, um, you know, there's there's no need for discussions about the creditworthiness of the U.S. and uh, and I doubt that comes into play any time in the next uh, uh, decade or two. So. Well, there is a, a suggestion out there that uh, the Treasury Department, uh, leaving aside. Um, full faith and credit questions, might want to buy off the runs back uh, and issue more on the runs and make you happy because those are more tradable and make them happy because they can retire some of the uh, higher interest rate bonds that are out there. Uh, would you be interested in something like that? Well, that, that's that's more realistic. And certainly, you know, I think another another idea that's, you know, in the same vein is the idea that, you know, with low interest rates now, the U.S. and other uh developed world governments should be extending the maturity of their debt. 
uh, you know, why not take advantage of these record low interest rates mm -hmm. instead of having an average maturity of debt that's, uh, you know, six and seven years? You know, why shouldn't it be uh, 15 years? So I think, uh, you know, it's very possible that we see a move over the next few years where the U.S. and other governments begin to begin to do that. Right. Scott, 30 seconds. Can a core strategy be to own equities? Well, uh, you know, as part of a well-diversified portfolio, it makes sense. I mean, we still think, you know, equities, uh, given their earnings uh, and uh, given their earnings yield, should outperform uh, bonds by a percent or two over the next several years. So it makes sense uh, that people have them in a, in a diversified portfolio. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't expect uh, the type of equity returns that we've seen in the past three or four or five years. Nothing like yeah. that. You know, we think low single digits is about the best you can expect. Scott, I just wanted to know if I, I should hold equities over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Over the it's weekend, of, I'm sure you'll do fine. It's part of my, my well-diversified weekend. Scott Mather, love having you on. He is with PIMCO. I, I love doing that, folks. I mean, Mr. Mather is under all sorts of pressures on what to say. I just love to bust his chops about holding stocks over the weekend. The Dow, negative 22 right now. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus says that presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump and House Speaker Paul Ryan are meeting next week to talk. Ryan told CNN yesterday that he's not ready to support Trump. What I want to see is that we have a standard bearer that bears our standards. Trump responded saying he's not ready to support Ryan's agenda. Authorities in Alberta, Canada, are in the process of moving thousands of people who already had been evacuated from fire-ravaged Fort McMurray. More than 80,000 people evacuated the town, and some 25,000 were moved to work camps just north. Alberta Premier Rachel Ann Notley says it will take longer than just a matter of days before residents can return to their homes. It is apparent that the damage to the community of Fort McMurray is extensive, and the city is not safe for residents at this time. More than 210,000 acres have been scorched. The Obama administration is commuting the prison sentence of 58 more federal convicts as part of a push to revamp the criminal justice system and ease punishments for nonviolent drug offenders. The latest wave of releases brings to 306 the total number of inmates whose sentences President Obama has commuted. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Michael Barr, thanks so much. Coming up, the Kentucky Derby. Nyquist is favored. I can't decide who to go with. Maybe I'll go with Cheevers. Maybe I'll go with Gilbert. Maybe I'll go with Makita. I'm sophisticated about horses. Bloomberg Surveillance. Counting down to uh, the, uh, the bond market report brought to you by Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability.